Hey everybody, welcome to the Look Closer podcast, episode 13. My name is Will Darden, and today we have a special guest coming on, uh, Mr. Javar Christian, uh, one of my uh, best friends. Uh, we overlapped a little bit, not Charlotte, when he was working here, and he's now in grad school up in Connecticut, but uh, we had just a really great conversation about his, uh, kind of his story, and why, why he chose going into grad school, kind of the path he took to get there. And we talked about some of the um, values that are promoted at, in business school and some of the uh, some of the things that people in his group and in, in my circle as well pursue and this, this idea of uh, moving on to the next stage of our lives and just trying to work toward that next step. Uh, it was a really good conversation. It did go a little bit long, um, so I would encourage you to listen to the whole thing. Um, we had a really good time. And um, yeah, we won't be back next week. I will actually be on break next week, but... Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks after that. So um, thank you much. Thanks so much for listening. And here's the intro. We are here on Sunday night with Mr. Javar Christian calling in live from New Haven, Connecticut. Javar, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast today. I know that uh, Sunday nights can definitely be um, busy and, and just kind of getting ready for the week, but I'm real excited to, to talk with you uh, tonight. My pleasure. Good to be here as well. Well, we have been friends for, I think, going on four years now. Um, so we were both in Charlotte uh, right at the start of our, of our careers coming out of undergrad, and um, we met through a mutual friend who, uh, who then we were in part of the same Bible study at a church here in Charlotte. And since then, I've just uh, really enjoyed talking with you about a number of different topics, but um, just have always appreciated the uh, just the level of, of creativity and, and, and really thinking through issues and, and topics um, that you bring to the table. So um, that's kind of how we met. But um, right now you are in uh, grad school. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I'd love if you wouldn't mind just kind of telling the audience um, just a quick overview of kind of where you are today and, and how you got there. Hey, I appreciate the intro. <laughs> so a little bit more on myself. Uh, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I've been, I think I lived there from ages three to 18. Hmm. Went to University of Virginia, majored in mathematics and economics. Um, and then I took my first job down in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where, well, as you said, we that's where we met um, mm-hmm. in a Bible study at a, at a local church as well. So let's see, going from there, I volunteered a lot. I volunteered a lot in college. I volunteered a lot uh, during my time in Charlotte, either as a volunteer teacher or in, uh, there is an organization called Boys to Men Foundation in which we work with high-risk youth as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, long story short, I ended up moving um, to Delaware. I call it the greater Philly area because mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends uh up in the philly area went to church there as well um worked at a smaller financial services firm continued volunteering as well uh eventually went to grad school um after a lot of thinking about what i want to do in the future um ended up going to mba programs i'm here at yale um, school of management in new haven and uh also found another body of believers that's really important to me Mm. and um just yeah enjoying my time here yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be in financial services, like when you started started your career? Uh, so I thought I did. Um, when I graduated from undergrad, I had a few student loans 
Uh, mm-hmm. under $10,000 of student loans. So I paid those off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just make sure that I was on solid financial footing. So it was either, actually, I was going to be pretty similar to you. I was considering TFA. I was mm-hmm. in the process for that. And I realized, well, I just want to make sure that I can be there for my family if need be. Um, so pure, purely financial reasons, I considered the financial track, mm-hmm. which was in line with, I guess, what I studied as well. Yeah. And yeah, ended up going to Charlotte. That's awesome. Yeah. And we, I think we were in Charlotte for, or you were, we overlapped in Charlotte for probably about two years, two and a half years. Um, yeah. and then you, you moved to Delaware two years ago, right? Or a couple about, about two years 20, ago? June of July of 2017. Okay. Yeah, two, almost two years Coming ago. on two years. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, we, I remember talking to you on the phone a couple times when you were, um, in Charlotte and then when you were in Delaware, trying to figure out what your next, step, next steps would be. And, uh, if I remember correctly, I don't know if like if doing an MBA was the only thing on your list. <laughs> I think you had a, a number of things that you were considering and and, and looking into. But um, I'd love to just kind of hear like what what was that process like? Um, thinking about what you wanted to study and kind of how did how did that path work out to to where you are um, today? Yeah. So when I was in Delaware, I think it was a much more serious process of what do I actually want to do with my life? Because I, f- I think in our early, early in our careers, we have one big move we can do um, while we're in our early 20s in mm-hmm. terms of leaving one job and going to the next job. Mm. Yeah. So I made that move, I think, at the age of 24, mm-hmm. 25. And then I knew that the next position I went to, which was in Delaware, I had to stick, at it, stick with it for a little while uh, <laughs> so that I wouldn't mess up my resume. Mm. Um, thinking about what I actually wanted to do, I was, I knew I was interested in education because that was the primary means that I saw that could help fix some of the issues, Mm -hmm. um, some of the inequities that I saw within, uh, I would say lower served communities, Mm -hmm. underprivileged communities, Mm -hmm. um, in which I frequently volunteered. And as well, I was trying to find a, a balance between what do I enjoy in terms Mm -hmm. of that type of volunteering and also what am I good at? I was Mm. really good at uh, data analysis using statistics. Um, Yeah, uh, creating uh, quantitative metrics that I was uh, doing in my job. Yeah. So I was was good at my job. I didn't necessarily enjoy it, however. (laughs) And it was actually... On the opposite side, I actually, actually actively disliked <laughs> my position. I remember some of those so. conversations. It was a yes. normal question like, Jafar, how was your day? And you'd be like, well, uh, <laughs> it was it was a day. <laughs> yes. I remember some of those conversations. <laughs> Which is normal probably for... That's normal, yeah. I would say yeah. for myself and most people our age, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. when we start working... Uh, there's no more clear goals like you're getting a di- diploma when you graduate college. That's true. Now we yeah. have different goals and we can do whatever we seem fit to do, you know? And there's not that so, set timeline of, okay, once you finish high school, you go to college. Once you finish high school, you get your job. After that, it's like, oh my goodness, like there's a big cliff of, of years left and I've exactly. got to figure out uh, what to do with those. So yeah, I'm sure exactly. I can relate with that feeling too. Yeah. And I would say... I definitely wanted to have an impact. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about either public policy, law. Uh, faith plays a huge factor in my life. So I was considering seminary mm-hmm. and also an MBA. Yeah. And I found the MBA to be a little bit more versatile. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I could take public policy classes. I could take law classes in seminary. And most, I would say in most schools, if I'm doing a full-time MBA program, and also hopefully be able to use my, um, just my quantitative and anal- analytic skills uh, while getting that degree as well. So yeah. I went for that. I applied, got into one school. It was a lot of money. I said, no, I'm not going there. And then I got into my second school, which is Yale, mm-hmm. um, and just God bless me with the full tuition scholarship. So wow. uh, that's I awesome. said, well, that's a, th- that is my clear choice. So yeah. I will be attending <laughs> Yale. Yeah. So here I am now. That's, that's <laughs> but one of the clearest, uh, clearest paths you can, you can have <laughs> just to see yeah. kind of what, um, what the Lord's laid out for you. And um, I remember talking to you a couple times, especially when you were in Delaware. And I remember you were talking, you talked to me a lot about the importance of your church community, like the faith community that you'd found in the greater Philly area. Um, would you mind just kind of sharing more about that and kind of what made that so like impactful and special for you? Sure. So I think I'll give a little bit of background to this. So coming from Charlotte, I think I hopped between two or three churches Mm-hmm. And one church was intentionally diverse. Another mm-hmm. church was just a, not just, it was a huge, beautiful, uh, more so homogenous black church. Um, mm-hmm. One of the, I think there's three or four really large black churches in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I would flip flop between these two churches. And in one church, I felt more comfortable. But in the more diverse church, I was definitely pushed more. Hmm. Uh, it was definitely a little bit more of a challenge hmm. um, in terms of personal affirmation and uh, also in some ways to community development, which I would not put on the church as a whole. It might, like, was definitely probably on my part as well. Hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> so right. I think I struggled with that, honestly, for the whole time I was in Charlotte. And then I moved to Delaware and I heard about this church, uh, Epiphany Fellowship, Hmm. In in on Diamond Street in North Philly, I think they may move at some point in the near future. A friend had told me about it while I was in Charlotte, and I heard the podcast, and I said, "Oh, that's a pre- that sounds like a pretty good word." Hmm. So I went to go hmm. visit, and on the day on day one, I said, "Yeah, this is this is my church." Wow, um, awesome. I looked around, and it was a. On the surface, it may not have looked like an extremely diverse group of people, but it really was. Hmm. So, it was very young. Uh, young adult, uh, mostly. Um, you had African American, you had African, you had Caribbean, um, and then you had other um, ethnicities there as well. But those were the dominant groups. Yeah. Um, and then you have three major universities. You have Temple, you have UPenn, you have Drexel. Uh, mm-hmm. Students who go there as well. And there's three services, and it's they're always packed. It's high energy. Um, and the thing that ma- kept me coming back to that church I would say the community hmm. so it's internally focused and externally focused when the pastor's not there it didn't feel like the church had missed a beat uh, I had my um, small group uh, we called it a life group uh-huh. and we would uh, do activities throughout the week we'd have uh, regular Bible studies we check up on each other and love on each other as a uh, we're called to do, you know, as a as a family of believers, and also, I would say, within the church, uh, people were in their functions and serving um, and loving one another mm. in the uh, regular weekly gatherings, um, and I just felt, 
personally affirmed in seeing people that looked like me yeah. got the that understood the same jokes that I was talking about. <laughs> yep, uh, yep. And there's a powerful thing in that. So there's power in diversity, but also there's power in um, self-affirmation because mm. I think, I uh, don't want to get too preachy here, but I think uh, when God calls us that he also like tells us it's okay like who you are like i made you who you are Hmm. and to be around other people who are similar in that respect is it's uh very rewarding uh to feel that affirmation as well yeah yeah I, i think i can relate with that a lot too i think that um you know it's really easy to uh to get into this mindset of i've got to you know be in a group where i'm uh, if I'm if I'm doing something that's unique, or if I'm doing something that's like that, I'm the only one thinking a certain way. Uh, I'm I'm always thinking like, am I am I trying to? Oh man, Javar, you're gonna you're gonna hate me for this. I think I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> you know how sometimes you start a, know, you start ahead. a sentence <laughs> and then you kind of forget where you are mid sentence and then you have to start over. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> Forgive me. Let me let me have a do over on that on that response to what you were saying. Okay. Um, I think I think you're right. I think that there's a there's something about community and sharing something in common with a group of people that is really valuable. And I think it's why um, people our age like like to be in other churches, like to be in churches around other young people, right? People that are going through the same challenges, the same struggles, the same uh, just kind of perspective shaping experiences that others are going through. And it's hard. It's hard to put yourself in a situation where you're the only one that thinks like you do or looks like you do or sounds like you do. Um, and I remember just like hearing it just every time we talk on the phone, it seemed like you were just so comfortable. And so just like at home in this community, um, cause you could be you, you know, and you could be the fullest yeah. that God created version of you. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, I agree. And even in that, I think, and it, it's, it's not a requirement that that needs to be there uh, on a regular basis, but mm-hmm. to know that it is there, that affirmation in that community, mm-hmm. um, it allows myself and anybody who experiences that in any community in which they're in to go out to other places feeling more sure about who they are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, we, Javar, let's go ahead and take a quick, uh, break, but when we come back, I'd love to dig in more, um, into your experience in grad school and, kind of some of your observations about yourself, about your community there. And then, um, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get into some really good stuff then too. But um, yeah, let's, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by questions we have about the Fire Music Festival. If you have not seen these documentaries on Netflix and Hulu, you are missing out. Number watch, one. Watch both of them, please. Number one, who can spend $4,000 on a music festival? Who can spend $40,000 on a music festival? As some people actually did. Who bought a ticket thinking they would get to party on the beach with Kendall Jenner at this thing? Who still <laughs> loves Blink-182 that much? I mean, why pick an island with so little toilets <laughs> why the name fire and why the misspelling of fire can you name or anyone name three songs by ja rule how is billy doing in prison and what do you think his next idea is going to be elizabeth i i, I really couldn't tell you i think we should uh oh sorry listeners. i dropped my magnesis card on the ground <laughs> did you hear that loud clank that loud clank of metal and we're back 
Okay, we are here for part two of our conversation with Javar. Um, Javar, thank you so much for for hanging out and for being here for the second half of our conversation. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? Um, so before we before we took the break, uh, we talked a little bit about kind of where where you are today and and you being in grad school and and your experience with that. But um, that's where I'd love to get to with the second half of this conversation. But I guess before we start, um, we were talking over the during the break, and you shared something pretty pretty cool of how. Like you and I are in different contexts right now and in different um, careers, different fields. And so the people we're around, the the things we talk about, the values we uphold, the goals we strive for um, are different, but they can be similar in the sense that, um, you know, we're all looking for our next step or our next stage in a way. Um, we're all yeah. looking for that next thing that'll give us validation or, or, or give us, um, you know, that, that thing that we crave or thing that we want. Um, yeah. Would you mind just kind of sharing like how your context has been shaped kind of through your career and through grad school and then I can share some about mine? Sure. So I'll share a little bit about career and then probably more so uh, grad school. Mm. For career, I would say for people my age, plus or minus several years, we're in this stage where we just want to determine what can give us the most purpose on a day-to-day basis, Hmm. what can make us the happiest, the most fulfilled, um, and also have a big impact. I feel like our generation is really keen on wanting to do something very, very important, Hmm. whereas uh, in comparison to prior generations where it may be more emphasized, you know, do work, do your work well, Hmm. and just get the job done no matter necessarily how how that may be seen. Yeah. So... I think that manifests itself in different ways. And even in graduate school, I think those pursuits uh, and MBA programs more specifically, those pursuits are are sought out much more diligently. And I think with a more intensity hmm. than you would see uh, outside of MBA programs. So people are definitely looking for purpose, um, for that happiness, um, and to have that high... I say impact mm. um, and on the world uh, just to, for the for essentially for their sense of uh, self-fulfillment. So not to put that in any positive or negative light. I think that's my observations right now that I see. What, yeah. what, what are your thoughts? No, I think I think what, what you said really stuck out like this idea of impact being something that we pursue. Right. It's like we can justify to our family and friends like picking a career that might pay less over a you know, 40 year career, if it has higher impact or if it has the potential to have higher impact. Um, or conversely, we could justify picking a career that, um, you know, that, that, that might have more status or more compensation in the name of having a greater impact, right? So you can use yeah. the impact uh, argument in a, in a lot of really, like really genuine ways. Um, but I think you're right. I think, I think in my context, like a lot of people are searching for uh, meaning in in position, right? So if you're if you're working in nonprofit or ministry or education, uh, sometimes you might be looking for like a facilitator role or a role that supports multiple teachers or multiple staff members, um, or you might be looking for to make a shift into doing some kind of graduate program, uh, like a law degree to to get you into a policy role or more of a higher leadership role. Um, if you really want to go high up in education, you might pursue like a doctor of education or a, or a yeah. master's in teaching. But, but I think you're right. Like the, the concepts are very similar and I think people will, 
uh, I'd put ourselves in this category, we will spend a lot and we will um, take on a lot if there's a promise or at least a potential of having a greater impact later in life. Um, and, and I think you're right. I think that's something that uh, maybe it's just being a millennial. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's something broader going on in culture, but um, we're thinking a whole lot more about not being boring or not being like, like <laughs> the agree. same That's as everybody else. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. if we like if we worked in the same job or the same company for forty years, you know, and like made the same amount of money or went up, you know, incrementally every year, like would we be happy, you know, or would we be fulfilled? And I think the answer is yes. You could be fulfilled staying in the same role over multiple years if that's your calling and if that's what you're supposed to do. But there's this fear. I think it's when you look side to side at your peers and other people who are uh, kind of in the in this position of moving ahead that you start to wonder, like, man, could I, if I was in my same job five years from now, like, is that mm. a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I felt that. I feel that. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because I think you shared some of that with me, uh, I think maybe even earlier in this conversation of like why why that prompted you to put a lot of time and energy into preparing for your next step because it, it was that that grind of the day-to-day and realizing like is this going to be the rest of my life <laughs> and if it is the rest <laughs> of my life am I okay with that <laughs> yeah yeah that's true and going along those lines I think I definitely felt that pressure in my time at my former companies hmm. where my peers were leaving and going on to do uh either very different or seemingly big and great things. So it makes you, as you said before, you know, take an in, in, introspective look and think, okay, well, what am I doing? <laughs> right. I need to, I need to catch up right. and continue yeah. making sure I'm pushing ahead. You well, know? that idea, like let's, let's dig into this Javar, like the idea of catching up, like who, who are we pursuing? Let me ask you that question. Who do you think is it, is it our parents success that we want to pass? Is it our friends? Is it like, not just our friends, but like our most successful friends that we want to pass. Is it society's expectations of us? What what do you what do you think is the who are we chasing or what are we chasing? I would say. I'm gonna narrow it down to two groups. So the first group I would say is friends and close networks. Hmm. I think what I've noticed from some of my peers in the MBA program is that. They have networks that are very strong hmm. and are very connected to higher places in society that most people don't have access to. Hmm. And I try to imagine myself in their shoes. And I imagine that when I'm asked by said networks, what am I doing or what's my next step? I probably need to have a good answer, you know? Mm, that's true. So yeah. it's not just what am I doing, but that what am I doing is of putting a status and a sense of not necessarily self-worth, but it is a part of you, much more so than me personally growing up and also earlier on in my career. Mm. I thought of my job as a job. My friends, we didn't really like take it that seriously uh, as as, uh, the status of our job in comparison with who we are as people. Mm. And whenever we got together, you know, uh, those types of conversations didn't necessarily hold too much weight, you know? We right. tended to focus on other things. So I think it's definitely potentially a cultural difference, um, potentially a, a factor of, like, who your network is, who your people are. 
Mm. Um, and how much of that plays a role in you, the pressure you put on yourself to try to catch up. Yeah. And then I think in society as a whole, we just have so much data in images and media forcing itself upon us all the time of mm. like, this is what your life should look like. This is what your happiness should look like. Mm. Uh, uh, or are you, you know, potentially a little bit more lonely than you like to be all these different things. And so we put another pressure on ourselves in terms of personal perfection, because we can much more clearly see what a perfect life looks like through advertisements mm. and through media, through selective sharing of our lives right? <laughs> and then our network's lives. So I think, yeah, again, it, it forces that, that, uh, view back into ourselves. So from our networks and also, um, just from constant, constant bombardment from uh, different views and frames that we have in different areas of life. Yeah, no, and I think I think that networks thing is pretty key. I think if you're around people who are in a perceived state of having more status or more wealth or more influence or more uh, advancement in their life, like it's going to be really, really hard unless you're rooted in in who God's made you to be and what your identity is to walk into that room. And believe like okay like I am the way I am today and like that is fine like that is great you yeah know? like I I don't have to feel bad about myself or insecure around these people because they have X number of, of, of status markers and I have this number you know and and that's that's really hard to do and I think you're right I think we've talked about this on the podcast before but this idea of in the last 15 or 20 years you now know exactly what everyone else your age is doing and how successful they are and where they're vacationing and you know what they're spending their money on and and all of this stuff when i would say like even like 15 years ago like we didn't really you didn't really know like you you had an idea of like this person works in this career this person lives in this city but the image of somebody you know at a rooftop bar in new york city you know it wasn't on your news feed or the image of somebody vacationing you know across across the world you know and, and you're sitting at home or, or at your desk like that that wasn't that, you know like <laughs> yeah, that, it makes that it didn't happen worse. right so <laughs> let's just think yeah. about this like if you're faced with let's just put a number on it let's say 50 reminders every day of someone who's quote more advanced or more farther along or more caught up than you like how how do you keep yourself in a position where you're not just putting your hope in that next step you know and I think it goes even to a deeper issue of are we able to focus? Because hmm. if we're being bar- bombarded with 50 different pieces of data on a regular basis every single day, I think that detracts away from our ability to focus on what truly matters to us. Hmm. And then something that may be more lasting to ourselves, to us individually, um, for our long-term health. Yeah, Which is another concern, a potentially a much longer conversation in itself as well. And it's like, it's like you have a, you're seeing your success and you're seeing your own life through like a filter, you know, it's like, if I like, I'll I'll feel better about myself if I can attach this label to it, if I can attach these three letters after my name, if I can, uh, you know, tell, put on my LinkedIn profile that I've worked at these companies or been in these places, um, you know, it's just, it's hard, you know, and I, I think, like you said, your networks have a lot of influence. I think our parents have a lot of influence. Um, you know, I think you, you hear stories 
of of different people whose whose parents said like you're going to be these three careers um or i'm not going to pay for your education you know <laughs> like we've like i've had okay. conversations with okay. friends about that you know and that's that's a really tough thing to 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 have to, to go through life thinking if i don't meet this bar like not only will i not feel good about myself but i may not look good in the eyes of my parents um or my family you know but i think you're right i think it is culture and i think it does depend on um, your networks, but, um, I'd love to ask you, mm. so let's, let's pivot this to like your experience in the MBA program. So I think we, you shared on in an earlier conversation that, um, you said like the promise of your program tends to have different, uh, rewards based on like what you value and like what your next step is. Um, yeah. so I'd love to just kind of hear like, what, what do you think are like the promises of, of an MBA or a top MBA? And, and what do you think are like some of the realities or, or some of the, some of the other other sides of that. Yeah. So, in sense of the promises of a top MBA, I, I put in in quotes top. So top is not necessarily any number ranking system. It's whatever you would consider right. a top MBA, a program that prides itself on prestige, mm-hmm. um, and people go there in some sense for the name. Mm-hmm. So, point. when look even looking at uh, my last program that I was accepted to in my current program, they were very keen on their advertising materials, which is all schools across the country, all institutions across the country, right. their advertising materials. You wanna make sure you're showing a diverse group of people who mm-hmm. are enjoying a picnic on the lawn. You wanna make sure that uh, that you show pictures of students laughing in class, mm-hmm. um, smiling yeah. at the professor raising their hands. and. In my program in particular, uh, this degree in particular, I think the happiness, there's a promise of happiness, mm. which encompasses all those things I just said, but also the type of person that normally goes for this degree is uh, a lot of times seeking, um, whether it's said explicitly or implicitly, uh, financial security mm. and much more um, financial wealth on top of that security. Hmm. Um, and self-validation through that, uh, through that financial security. So that may mean very much, you know, working at Goldman Sachs Hmm. or the top consulting firm anywhere on wall street or private equity, big tech, West coast. Um, these are the things that are going to provide a large paycheck Hmm. and allow you to buy that, the nice house and the nice car, um, and take care of your family the way you want to. Um, send your kids to private school and essentially you're able to make sure that you feel like you're a fully affirmed part of your individual network if Mm. that's the network that you're used to being part of and even to your point you know parents expectations um not too familiar with that on my part i was just expected to get a job you know (laughs) and to work hard and whatever (laughs) there you go there you go so that's a big difference there as well um so it's a learning process for me as well to learn you know where different people have come from and why they're actually going for these types of things and uh it's in some ways i think it i don't know it, it seems to be a stress a very stressful pursuit in this sense of happiness um specifically through money and in these programs what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I think the I think you're right. I think that the big, a lot of the things that I see um, or that I've you know heard heard friends justify is like if if you want to get into this certain let's call it like a gated community, like not thinking of like a legitimate like a neighborhood somewhere. I'm just thinking like 
there's a place you want to be, but it has a fence around it and a gate, right? To get through that gate, you have to pass through um, the gatekeepers, right? And the gatekeepers <laughs> are anybody that, let's, let's basic gatekeepers is anyone that's going to offer you a job, right? Anyone that's going to sit across from you in an interview and kind of figure out, do you match this culture? Do you match kind of the other people that are already in this gated area, you know? Um, yeah. And, and the markers of that, like, you're right. Like to get into that community, you have to have a lot of these different things and money is definitely part of it. Security is part of it, but I think you're right. Like that validation through um, status. Like, I think that that's, that's definitely something that, that I could see like just becoming toxic if that's all that you're, you know, you're taking on this debt and you're putting yourself in this position just to, to get into that gated area. I agree. Hmm. Yeah. And you said there was another one too. So you said people are pursuing happiness. Um, and then the other one we've kind of already talked about, but I, I don't want to give it away. What were you, what were you saying? The other bed promises of a top MBA? Yeah. Or? So this is a big one, which I am still figuring out how to articulate uh, to myself and also to others and also my peers is the promise of impact. Hmm. So in terms of impact, again, our generation, we look to be purposeful in the world. We want to have a, a large impact in whatever we're doing, and preferably a big impact so we can put it on social media and tell people how important we are, right? So everyone is fed with the belief that they are endowed hmm. with the skills and abilities to tackle the business problems of the world. Um, that is for myself and my peers in this, in this program. Hmm. Uh, so... And being fed the mo- the mantra that we are being endowed and we're currently still, that we came in with the skills and those skills are just going to increase as we go through our school right. to tackle these business problems. These problems are often extrapolated to larger world problems in general. And it makes me naturally question, well, why yeah. <laughs> am I or my peers uh, collectively thought of as the leaders for the next this the next generation that's going to lead this country and best suited to tackle these these issues hmm. because i think about in my anecdotal experience um uh professors and different uh phd's who are not in the academic field who are at the top of their field on leading cutting edge re- research uh, who are very gifted in, in their talents. Um, it makes me think about, uh, should they be equally promoted as uh, the leaders and the right. um, those best able to tackle these challenges? But then I see why that is the case is because in some sense, in our program, we value a lot of the soft skills and the yeah. things that are naturally sought for in a leader, mm. um, So, which is confidence speaking well speaking loudly clearly and uh with poise mm-hmm. and people will naturally follow you because if you're able to do those things uh it's not i don't think it's the case that many people will naturally portray or exude extreme confidence mm-hmm. um at the capacity to, to lead large numbers of people on a regular basis so i think that a heavy weight is placed on that those leadership qualities which I'm naturally questioning. Yeah. Are those, are those, should, are those things weighted too heavily? You know? Yeah. 
No, and I th- another thing that um, I was just thinking about, and Elizabeth actually, she brought this up. She wrote it down on a piece of paper for me. Um, like, what? Like, are there people that are going into business school with this idea of of not thinking about the soft skills and wanting to gain the hard skills, right? <laughs> like the I want to learn how to uh, manage a team, or I want to learn how to um, balance uh, balance a budget, or or um, talk to a group of of investors, right? Um, I think that there there probably is like someone out there who is going to business school, like a small business owner that like wants to get those skills and and you know wants the the hard skills. But I think you're right. Like it's it does seem like a system that's designed around this value on the soft skills, right? And some of those qualities that you just described are things that can be taught, uh, like confidence and poise and and kind of uh, like commanding a room, we could say. But some of them, like some of them, like aren't really taught. Some of them are just qualities that uh, that might benefit some people more than others in terms of of kind of getting getting access to that community and that that gated area that we were talking about. Um, I agree, and even to that point by even seeking these qualities in leaders, we tend to form more so, what's the word, uh, insulated communities hmm. uh, because we have already chosen the traits that we think are more desirable hmm. in, in yeah. people, yeah. which naturally leaves out more diverse uh, parts of the population, you know, from, yeah. from the club. Yeah. 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 Well, I think I'm, I'm a little bit, like bummed to say this, but we are actually running out of time, Javar. <laughs> um, I think okay. we've, we've hit on some pretty great stuff and, and I, I definitely think we should, I'd love to have you back on again sometime to go deeper into some of the things that we're just scratching the surface on. But I guess with our last like two, three minutes, um, I'm going to give you just a really broad question and you can answer it however you want. Um, or, and, and yeah, just would love to kind of hear what you think, but, uh, Sounds good. where do you think our country is today? And where are we going in the future? Okay, so... I told you it was going to be really broad. <laughs> <laughs> and you can take it however, whichever way where you want. Today? I purposely left it broad so that uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear what you, what you have to say. It's a simple and extremely complicated question. So... Yes. Where is it today? Uh, it seems... I'm going to say... Today, it seems like there's a great sense of disillusionment. Hmm. Uh, I would say many people feel like we are more divided than we ever have been right. in the past recent decades. Um, I do not believe that. Hmm. I believe that regardless of who is in the Oval Office, uh, the current state of relations in the U.S. has is better now than it was in the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, and any time before that. Hmm. Um, so we're actually doing well. We just have a lot of information thrown at us that is exaggerated. Not, not I won't say exaggerated, but it's often negative yeah. to try to convince us of how terrible things are portrayed to be. Hmm. Um, and we still have the current uh, issues of scapegoating, mm-hmm. um, currently against um, those from Latin America, yeah. Uh, apparently, there's beliefs on the strong right and from the president himself about these people can destroy our country and take right. away all of our wealth. Uh, while at the same time, you're able to convince many people of the benefits of uh, catering towards those who don't need any more wealth, but yet 
hmm. or <laughs> advocating for doing so yeah. through different different fiscal policies. But that's not too important for this conversation. So I think there's a sense of disillusionment with where the country is, and I think it's actually doing okay. We're hmm. currently losing power because we're leaving different parts of the world. Um, geopolitically, we just have decided not to be leaders. Hmm. Um, right. We're losing our economic influence. We're, uh, I don't know, there doesn't seem to be a great sense of leadership or organization, but as a whole, I, I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, where we're going in the future, I think some of the biggest issues will be continued um, growth in diverse populations and mm. a continued voice of those diverse populations. Right. Show, saying that there's an issue with the with the discrepancies in wealth between the majority and the minorities. Yeah, right. <laughs> and there, there's going to be a greater demand and that may get more and more heated and potentially uh well, I'll leave it I'll leave it the the heated part. Yeah. Um so that would have that would have different effects throughout education, throughout the workforce, um, in two big things. I think those would be the biggest pressing issues potentially, and maybe even energy mm-hmm. and thinking about what to do about that, because oil may get more expensive as it gets more scarce. I don't think we'll run out of it, but mm-hmm. because it'll just get more expensive as we get less of it. So maybe something around energy as well. Yeah. We just need more innovation honestly continues growing at the rate we are right now uh, population wise and energy consumption wise yeah i think that was more specific towards the end but i think that's where we're headed in the future potentially big conflicts to set up Mm. and depending on how we do them will determine the fate of whether the country will be better or worse in the face of those conflicts yeah and i think a big theme theme that i'm seeing is like we like you said at the beginning, like a lot of people believe we're more divided than we've ever been. We have the best communication tools we've ever had. I'm the most connection out of any other people that have ever lived on earth. Uh, yeah. you know, a, a history of, of repenting over some of our injustices and trying to change. And yet, uh, we're in this place where it just feels like things are not better. And like, like you said, like the, the lack of understanding, the lack of dialogue across lines of difference, I don't think has ever been as, as tense as it is right now. And and I think you're right, that scapegoating, uh, this idea of like blaming our problems on a group other than us, you know, for the sake of convenience or, or this idea of trying to skirt around who might really be responsible or really just kind of avoid taking a hard look at ourselves and saying, Hey, are we wrong in this scenario? But, um, I think as Christians, like we, we've, we've just got to believe that the Lord's in control and that he's, uh, even in all the, the the pain and all of the injustice, like he's still present, he's still actively fighting against it and fighting for Agreed. people whose voices aren't being heard. Um, but I think we just got to keep our keep 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 believing that he's in control and and work as hard as we can to try to help help in the meantime. I agree. Yeah. Well, Javar, hey, we, it's been really good. I was gonna say thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, this time went really fast. And again, thank you so much for sharing your perspective and. Uh, again, just just kind of um, being fully present for this conversation, and I uh, appreciate your friendship a lot, and uh, looking forward to staying friends for many years to come. Hey, I appreciate you as well, and uh, thanks for having me. It's been great. Sure thing, Javar. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. 
another podcast done. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us, um, helping out with the podcast today. Appreciate it a lot. Sure thing, Will. Um, well, could you mind, would you mind telling the listeners how they can stay connected to Look Closer Podcast? Yeah. So if you want to hear more about our podcast, uh, when episodes are launching and just kind of reminders of things and any, any other news in the Look Closer Podcast world, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Look Closer Pod, or you can find our episodes at um, LookCloserPodcast.com or on you know your Apple Podcasts app, The Look Closer Podcast. Um, we would love if you would subscribe to our podcast. That's a really good way to get those podcasts in your inbox in the mornings on Mondays, or I guess Sunday nights, and um, just get to stay in touch with us. And we would love any feedback that you might have. Um, we really like to take that into account and really appreciate hearing people's opinions on what we're talking about and things we could talk about in the future. Yeah, and please leave a rating or a review on iTunes. It's really fun to read commentary and think about ways we can be better. But um, in the meantime, uh, like we said at the beginning, we won't be back next week. We'll be on break, um, but we'll be back in a couple weeks. So thanks so much for listening and uh, have a great week.